Good evening, everyone. It's a pleasure meeting with you tonight like this. And thank you for joining us this evening as we continue the second week of our topic, You Fool. Over the last week, we've heard many excellent applications on this theme. And tonight, my topic is the foolishness of being kind, even when it's undeserved. Erica will be joining us later with some thoughts that go right along with this on controlling the tongue. Let's begin with prayer. Lord, thank you for each one who has joined us this evening. Bless our time together. Draw each one of us closer to you. Help us to see that your ways are far better than our own. Have your way, Lord, in our lives. Allow us to hear your voice and live according to your perfect ways. Touch those among us who are hurting, Lord. Let them feel your presence and be comforted. Anoint your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's begin with our context scripture. It's 1 Corinthians 3.18. You've been hearing this for the last week, but it says so much. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to become truly wise. As Christians, we can't live by this world's standards. Being a fool for Christ's sake will not only bless our own lives, but the lives of those who are around us. Our motivations change. Rather than being self-centered, we focus on being a blessing to others and on being kind. This requires trust in God. It also requires the power of the Holy Spirit to give us self-control. So we're considering being kind when undeserved and not only to friends and neighbors, but also to our enemies. That's the hard part. I once heard a preacher begin his sermon with the statement, Everybody loves me. Some people just don't know it yet. Think about that. Everybody loves me. Some people just don't know it yet. Inherent in this statement is the premise that this person is going to do everything in their power to affect people positively. Definitely by the world's standards, this is foolishness but what a kind, loving attitude. This person does not perceive anyone as their enemy. In Psalm 35, one of my favorite Psalms, David tells of being persecuted by his enemies and he asks the Lord to fight for him. So I'm starting in verse one. O Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Fight those who fight against me. Put on your armor and take up your shield. Prepare for battle and come to my aid. Lift up your spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Now, have you ever felt like you were pursued by enemies? Let's go down to verse 7. I did them no wrong, but they laid a trap for me. I did them no wrong, but they dug a pit to catch me. Have you ever felt this way? Then look at verse 9. 
Then will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad because he rescues me. Notice he's turning to God for his help. With every bone in my body, I will praise him. Lord, who can compare with you? Who else rescues the helpless from the strong? Who else protects the helpless and poor from those who rob them? Malicious witnesses testify against me. They accuse me of crimes I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good. I am sick with despair. Have you ever been sick with despair? I think we've all been to that point. Clearly, this is an extreme example. Have you ever felt like David did here? He's crying out to God to rescue him from those trying to kill him. However, David is not taking matters into his own hands to get revenge. He's praying to God and trusting him to take care of the situation. Wouldn't people consider David a fool for dealing with such a disparate situation in this way? So let's read on and see what David's attitude was toward his persecutors. So I'm continuing Psalm 35 at verse 13 and 14. Yet when they were ill, I grieved for them. Can you imagine grieving because your enemy is sick? It's definitely not the norm. I denied myself by fasting for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. I was sad as though they were my friends or family, as if they were grieving, if I were grieving for my own mother. This shows that David cared about his enemies. Just think about Saul pursuing David to kill him. Then when David has the opportunity to kill Saul, he doesn't. I personally go to this passage as an example to follow when I'm tempted to seek revenge. It's truly amazing through prayer for our enemies, how our own attitudes change. And we're able to show kindness and love when hate and revenge are expected. Romans 12 verses one and two, and I think we've been hearing this a lot lately. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, consider the saying, any old fish can float downstream, but it takes a live one to swim against the current. And that's exactly what we're doing when we don't copy the ways of the world. People may consider us fools, but it is good and pleasing and perfect to God. Let's go down to verse nine in Romans chapter 12. Don't just pretend 
to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. This is what we do when we allow God to change the way we think. We're then able to put others first. And then look at verse 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So here's what we're supposed to do. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In other words, be kind. They don't deserve it, and they'll know that. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. This is so true. Retaliation causes the offender to feel justified in their actions. But the opposite happens when the offense is met with kindness. Then they feel shame and are much more likely to do differently in the future. And then finally, verse 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. This is so contrary to human nature. And why is this so important? John 13, 35 says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It may be foolishness to the world's standards to be kind and love everyone, even your enemies. However, Jesus said this is how to be identified as his disciple. There's nothing in this life more important than belonging to him. And we must be willing to give control of our life to God and let go of our own ways. There's a poem that I really like. The official title is Broken Dreams by Loretta P. Burns. I knew it as titled, let go and let God. As children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend, I brought my broken dreams to God because he was my friend. But then instead of leaving him in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own. At last I snatched them back and cried how could you be so slow? My child, he said, what could I do? You never did let go. It's foolishness by the world's standards to give up control, to let go and let God. But being consistently kind is essential as we strive to live according to God's plan. And now Erica is going to continue our message with another related aspect of being kind, controlling the tongue. Thank you, Sister Debbie, for your thoughts on the foolishness of being kind. 
As followers of Christ, we are encouraged to extend and show love and kindness to not only our neighbors and ourselves, but also to our enemies. In the world, you hear phrases like, speak your mind. I just need to get this off my chest, and I just tell it like it is. However, all these actions can cause severe damage if we are not cautious and careful of the audience it is being conveyed to. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about the foolishness of holding your tongue. James chapter 3 verses 8 and 12 says, But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If we are going to re represent a godly attitude, it must be consistent. Otherwise, what kind of example are we conveying? Our tongues are capable of so many things. The words we use can easily lift someone up and easily tear someone down. While in the world these actions may be acceptable, we as believers are cautioned to speak words that are seasoned with salt so that we may know how to answer everyone. Colossians chapter four, verses five and six states, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will be, so that you will have the right response for everyone. It may be foolishness by the standards of the world to hold your tongues and to be mindful of the words that we speak to others, but the Bible encourages us to do so if we are to continue to be the light and salt of the earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, Stop deceiving yourselves if you, are, if you think you are wise by the world's standards. You need to become a fool to be truly wise. So, we must continue to be fools for Christ by being cautious and mindful of the words that we speak. By doing this, we can hold our tongues, stop and think, and be aware of the words that we want to speak even before they are even spoken. This also allows us not only to show love to others, but it also allows us to extend kindness as well. Being mindful and aware of the audience that our words are being spoken to will allow us to make fewer mistakes and cause less damage to others. James chapter 3 verse 2 says, Indeed, we all make mistakes, for if we control, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Sometimes when we have a disagreement with someone or different beliefs are crossed, there is a tendency to speak without thinking and an urge to defend our beliefs. But this can cause conflict with others, especially with people that we care about. We must be mindful and respectful because we will not always encounter people who have the same beliefs as us. In fact, it is highly likely that we will be constantly bumping into others with different opinions and or beliefs. 
But if we are conscious and aware of others and we can hold our tongues, this will make it easier to not cause conflicts even if we do not see eye to eye. Doing this will enable us to show kindness and extend love and respect to others despite differences in opinion. In Proverbs chapter 15 verses 1 and 2, it states, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise make knowledge appealing, but the mouth of the fool, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. In moments like these, it is wise to remember that a soft answer turns away wrath. It is not necessary to get angry and lash out at someone with words that have not been filtered. You cannot take back words once they have been spoken. So speaking without thinking just shows that you are too quick to speak and that you are a fool. Another passage of scripture that encourages us to hold our tongue is from the message. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, it says, God will fight the battle for you and you. You keep your mouth shut. Leaving vengeance in God's hand gives us a testimony that can comfort, edify, strengthen, and encourage other believers. There are times when you need to speak and there are times when you need to keep your mouth shut. There are battles we face in life that we do not need to fight because we have God on our side to fight those battles for us. So we must step aside and be silent. Revelations chapter 12 verse 11 says, And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. In the standards of the world, we are told to seek vengeance and speak our minds on things that matter to us, especially when someone defeats offends us or treats us in a negative manner. However, we still need to know when we step aside, we still need to know when to step aside and let go of things and allow God to reign supreme. As followers of Christ, we cannot live by the world's standards. Being a fool for Christ's sake not only blesses our own lives, but also the lives of those around us. The way that we think and view things change. Our motives change too. Instead of being self-centered, we now shift our focus outwards onto others, focusing on being a blessing to others and being kind. This, is, this not only requires trust, but we must have faith in God. It also requires the power of the Holy Spirit to give us self-control. As many of you may know, I like to speak my mind. There have been times in my walk with God that I wasn't aware of the words that I spoke and the damage that it had done to others. When I first came to the Lord, I just was known for telling it like it is. I remember one of Justin's close friends telling me that Justin said, watch out for this one. She doesn't have a filter with what she says. She will just let you have it. Although looking back at that, it makes me laugh and chuckle because I really was oblivious to the aftermath of my words. It made me realize my, my, what my words did to others. I was that friend that others came to for my blatantly honest opinion. 
It is nice that others knew that they could come to me if they wanted to hear my honesty and straightforwardness, but I didn't really care if I hurt anyone's feelings. I would think to myself, well, they asked for the truth. Why are they getting all bent up out of shape that I said their dress looks horrible on them? But you cannot just go around being a jerk to everyone, spouting off your thoughts and feelings without thinking of others, now can we? I have seen the work that God has done in my life as I walk besides him, especially regarding holding my tongue. Where I stand today, I am very aware of who I am talking to and cautious of the words I will speak even before they are spoken. I do not want to hurt anyone with my words, even if they may be true. I am not saying lie to others, but there is a way to say things and filter them so that they are said without, with kindness and honesty. Now I ask myself these questions before I speak. Is there a purpose for me saying my thoughts? Will my words do anything to help the current person or situation? Do they want me to respond? or just to listen. I run a ton of more questions like this around in my head, more than people may think. And if they all point to yes, I should speak, I do it. But if the answers point to no, I just shut my mouth and hold my tongue. I am extremely aware and conscious of my audience and I analyze what I say and the reactions. I have moved aside and allowed God to do this in my life. I do not want to, to be known as a person that is a jerk and just tells it like it is. No one does. So we must be conscious and aware before we speak to others. It is important if we are to become true disciples of Christ. I am so thankful for what God has done in my life. And I look forward to, to my continued growth in him. I am a work in progress, progress, and I trust God and have faith that he will continue to work on me if I step aside and allow him to. As Sister Debbie previously stated, it may be foolishness by the world's standard to hold your tongue, to show kindness and love to others, even to your enemies. However, Jesus said this is how to be identified as his disciple. There is nothing in life more important than belonging to him. We must be willing to give God control of our life and go and let go of our own selfish ways. Sometimes that means we need to be able to hold our tongues even when we think we should not. There is a time to speak and a time to shut your mouths. Once the words come out of your mouth, they can't be taken back. So be mindful of others when you are talking to them. By doing this, stopping thinking and being aware of the person your words are being spoken to. It allows us to be the light and salt of the earth, of salt of the world for Christ's sake. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you tonight for your word and your anointing. We pray that this message is received with open hearts and open minds. Lord, we ask you to help us to live lives that are pleasing to you. Help us to be willing to become fools that we may be truly wise. Show us how to love our friends, family, neighbors, and even our enemies. Show us how to be mindful of the words that come out of our mouths. 
We love you, Lord, and we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for joining us tonight, and we'll see you Tuesday evening. Bye.